Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Spartan Pro Racer Callie Schweikart. Callie and I had a great conversation today about how to train when we have minimal equipment. And not only that, but when we're programming for ourselves, regardless of what equipment we have, how to program properly so we are not overtraining, so we are not overstressing our bodies, and so we are training our weaknesses, but also maintaining our strengths. We also dove into her injuries and her lessons learned from the injuries she has dealt with. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this information highly valuable. So let's tune in. Kelly, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm excited to be here. Awesome. I'm super excited to get you on here. I've heard amazing things about you and about you as a coach and an athlete. So I'm super excited. Um, but first off, just introduce you. Who are you? Um, kind of give me your history as an athlete and all that sort of fun stuff. Sure. So um, my name is Callie Schweikart. I'm 23 years old and um, I live in Cold Spring, New York, which is in the Hudson Valley, about an hour north of New York City. Um, I am currently on the Spartan Pro team and um, coach for the Endurance Project, which is like an OCR running group. Um, I grew up playing sports. My parents were always active. So, um, I got into a lot of team sports very quickly and fell in love with soccer and basketball and played those throughout high school. Um, and then I, uh, was recruited to Boston university to be a goalkeeper for their women's soccer team. And I did that for a year. Uh, it wasn't quite the best fit for me. And I was still struggling with like homesickness and the college transition. So I decided to uh, take a gap year after my freshman year and ended up transferring to a school closer by me, uh, Marist, where I studied psychology. And um, during that gap year, I found Spartan Racing, which has been um, a life changer, a blessing for sure. And um, I just am super passionate about fitness overall and um, just being a well-rounded athlete. And I think Spartan encompasses that. So, um, yeah, I just, I enjoy training for it. Um, we'll see what this season brings with everything that's going on. But, um, right now <laughs> life is focused on training to be the best athlete I can be and also, um, helping others achieve their potential as athletes as well. And I'm curious, since you kind of mentioned it, with all the season at a standstill right now, we really don't even know when things are starting back up. What do you like? What kind of keeps you motivated and, and training for on a daily basis, knowing that it's like technically we don't know when that next race is, we don't know which one of those races is going to be our, our comeback race. And so, what are you what's kind of your focus when you're training now? Totally, that's that's an interesting uh, it's it's a good question because I know a lot of people need those races on their radar to stay motivated and engaged. Um, I consider myself fortunate to not really be one of those people in that, um, the, the, the competitions and the games and, um, everything that comes along with training for a sport, um, have never really been my priority. So I've struggled with, um, anxiety, like on and off the, um, like the court or the field or whatever, um, for as long as I can remember. So games weren't always what I looked forward to. It was just the fun of practice and bettering your, um, your performance in like the training setting. So, um, 
same goes for Spartan race. I, I, and other obstacle course races. I love the races. Uh, I get less nervous for them than like team sport competitions that I used to do because it's more individual. And, um, if I'm letting someone down, it's really me. So as opposed to feeling like the team is counting on me. Um, but with no races on the radar, um, I've just been trying to, um, prioritize working on my weaknesses and, I, I'm, I'm someone who like gets up, like motivated to train most days. I just love it. So I'm just trying to enjoy the process and really practice gratitude during this time too. So just being able to get up and move is um, a blessing that a lot of us maybe don't have get getting outside right now can be, um, depending on where you are, um, might be restricted. Um, so just trying to like be in the moment about it and not stress too much about structured training while we don't have races coming up and just um, find ways to move and feel good that are fun. I think for mental health too, movement is so important. So, um, if anything, that's my why it's like, it's what makes me feel good. And it's what makes me feel like I'm the best person I can be. So that's why I continue to do it. That's awesome. And I've, I kind of taken the same view on it as with my training too. Like we were talking before we hit record that I'm just having fun working on my weaknesses and just kind of playing around with different skills, drills, and just kind of absolutely making it playtime more than anything else right now. Totally. So you are a coach with the endurance project. Not only are, was he your coach or is he your coach, but you also coach for them. How does your background as, as an athlete growing up kind of help you um, do what you do as a coach today? Um, well, I think there are a number of things that kind of, um, help me be a better coach. Um, one, I, um, with my psychology background as well and dealing with, um, performance anxiety and, um, putting pressure on yourself as an athlete, that's a huge thing I try to bring into coaching others is helping others manage that. Um, and I try to be very like just relatable and understanding when it comes to athletes who are putting a lot of pressure on themselves or get really nervous for an upcoming competition. I think I can add value there and that I've been through that for sure. And I've had to do a lot of soul searching and learning to like figure out where that's coming from and how to deal with it. Um, so I, I have good approaches to that, but in terms of the performance side, like the physical training side, um, I grew up just doing a bunch of different things and um, varying movements. I find it so important to prioritize like being a um, multi multi-dimensional athlete as opposed to just running. We tend to stay in a straight line, one plane. I think the dynamic movements are super important and can bring a new element of fun to training. So um, I mentioned this to you when we were talking, I um, first started like trying to get into shape with these insanity at home video workouts, which are literally just your body weight doing all these different plyometrics and um, fun exercises. So I learned a lot about how hard you can push your body and the shape you can get in from just like I literally had like a, probably a 10 by five space to do this workout every day. And it got me in really great shape. And, um, so I, I can definitely appreciate, um, having limited equipment for training. Like there are ways to work around that for sure. And you can really still have an effective program. So that's another reason. Um, I think I bring a different kind of perspective to things. I'm not coming at it from, Oh, you need to have, um, this set of weights, like you always need to be following this set strength program. There are so many different ways to do it. I absolutely love that just because so many people do 
whether it's now with gyms closed or before we're working out with, you know, at home, sometimes with minimal equipment, just depending on what things, um, how things are, or, you know, a lot of people do travel for work too, and are stuck with hotel workouts, which is typically dumbbells, maybe kettlebells, um, normally nothing super heavy. And we do have to accommodate based on what's in the, in, in the location. So any just kind of, I know it's, can be hard because obviously different people have different equipment, but just as a general, when we're looking at doing our own workouts at home, like what should we be thinking about when we're programming for ourselves? Um, well, I obviously like your training days should be varied and kind of, um, you don't want the same thing going on every day. So, um, depending on what you want to target in that session, it's going to change what you do. So, um, there are a bunch of ways to get in a like high intensity, like cardio session at home. And if that's the case, if that's what you're aiming for, for that day, you're going to want to prioritize movements that get the heart rate up quickly, probably some plyometrics, but it's also important to make sure the athlete is ready for that. So, um, you can't just jump into a super high intensity plyometric session and not expect, um, really high injury risk, um, because of the, the load and the impact. So, um, for people just starting out with this, I think it should be a lot of those basic movements that you can repeat and repeat and they get very fatiguing. So even like air squats, like if you do them long enough, they will get very hard and you will be breathing heavy, um, which is to a totally fine way to start and then start, start progressing with maybe some jump squats and really don't, you're not jumping like super high trying to get max height. You can just like jump a little bit off the ground, do a pulsing kind of thing, get those muscles and tendons kind of acclimated to the plyometrics you want to be doing. Um, because it's very hard to just jump into that without, um, risking injury. So, um, but yeah, in terms of programming at home workouts, obviously you have to take, um, stock of what you have at home. Um, for me, I've always, pretty much had access to simple sets of dumbbells. My parents always were doing workouts at home and everything. So they had those in the house. So if you have those weights, you can really program like a, a great full body strength routine um, and try to get the variation in movement, hit all those muscle groups if you want to do that, or um, don't even worry about the weights and go with those high intensity movements that jack your heart rate up and can give you that um, the benefit of a, high intensity cardio sessions, say you don't have a cardio machine or something. How do you suggest kind of assessing when we're talking about strengths and weaknesses, maintaining those strengths, but also, but working on improving those weaknesses. Like I know a lot of people who it's like, well, my arms are my strong are my weak link. And so I'm just going to do arms every single day. Like how do we find that balance of working on our weaknesses, but not like overworking our weaknesses? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, because for me, one of my personal weaknesses, um, that I'm continue to work on is, um, back strength, primarily like pull-up strength. So, um, that's something where there are certain things that you can do most days without overdoing it. And I think, um, a movement like pull-ups, if you take the progression the right way, that's something that, you hear a lot of people say like, oh, I put a pull-up bar on my door and every time I pass through it, I do two or three. And then by over time, they're building up. And that's something where it's a very um, small load um, at the time. So you can, typically your body can handle that as long as like your joints and everything are healthy. Um, so if you're being smart about um, 
putting it something you want to put into your daily routine and doing it like little, little tidbits at a time. I think that's something where you don't have to worry too much about overdoing it. But if you're going, if you're doing something of very high intensity where you really feel the fatigue after um, that session or something, you should really not be wanting to hit that again for uh, a few days, like at least every other day um, when it comes to like a strength thing, because um, the muscles do need time to repair. Um, same, I was actually thinking about this the other day. Um, the insanity program that I did for so long, I almost feel like it shouldn't be the way that it is because um, I knew nothing about, like I wasn't a coach at the time. I didn't have my certifications. Um, I didn't realize how intense and what a strain um, high intensity interval training puts on your body. And I'm actually so surprised that that program is out there because it was literally high intensity interval training every single day. Um, and if I look back and try to do that now, that would be so hard and so um, depleting and definitely put me at risk for injury. Um, but I didn't know any better at the time. And like I said, it got me in great shape, but it probably wasn't the best way to go about it. Um, because yeah, the, the risk of overdoing it is crazy. So I think it's important to, and this is so cliche, but listen to your body. So um, when you do these workouts and you're like super sore the next day, you probably don't want to work a muscle that's super sore. You got to kind of use that common sense. Um, if you're feeling an ache in a joint or something, you probably overdid it and need to give that that body part a rest for a little bit before you jump back into another at-home workout that stresses that same um, part. So um, yeah, I think a lot of it is common sense spreading out the bouts of exercise that you do that um, stress a certain part of your body. And if you really just um, kind of segment your days and make sure they're all like varied and different, you can pretty much avoid that pretty well. Like you shouldn't be hitting a high intensity leg session every single day or a high intensity upper body session. Try to make them very varied, kind of cycle through them as opposed to like, oh, I just want to go hard every day. It doesn't really matter what I do. I just want to get, get a good workout in. It's probably going to be best if you try to organize it a little better than that. Awesome. Thank you for that explanation. Sure. Let's kind of switch directions a little bit and talk, because I know you as an athlete have dealt with a number of injuries like most athletes do. Mm -hmm. I would love for you to talk about those a little bit or us to talk about those just because you dealt with each of them a little bit different kind of based on your age and life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. we all do in high school, we're invincible and all of a sudden we're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I would love to kind of have you share your stories with those, your takeaways and, and we'll kind of just dive in into there. Yeah, sure. So, um, I'll try to go in like chronological order because I think it is um, interesting how age plays a role and how you deal with them too. Um, so uh, I th my first like major thing, I broke a pinky when I was playing goalkeepers, but that was kind of standard. I went to the doctor, got an x-ray, had to wear a cast, couldn't play goalie for weeks while it healed. But um, the first more like chronic thing was um, the strangest the uh, injury I think I've encountered yet. Hopefully nothing else happens that stranger. Um, I was uh, in, a, in a high school play, um, we did Greece, and I was, uh, my part was a cheerleader. And I was commissioned to do a split um, on stage. And I'm, I've always been pretty mobile and flexible. So I was like, oh, cool, no problem. Did it in rehearsal. Everything was good, warmed up opening night. And despite 
all the warm up and all the stretching, um, I tore my hamstring on stage. So <laughs> limped off stage, couldn't really move and wasn't walking properly for months afterwards. Um, and being in high school, ninth grade, it was kind of like, oh, I don't know what this is. I definitely felt that pop and like tear now. I'm looking back at it and like, oh my God, go to a doctor. But we kind of just let it heal. Um, didn't really do uh, much activity and tried to like, it, it was a very um, nonchalant like recovery. I, I, I'm surprised that it, I made it out through it, <laughs> to be honest. Like, I guess because I wasn't a runner at that point. So it didn't stress it too much. Um, but that definitely caused a lot of um, imbalances and like more chronic stuff that I have to stay on top of. Um, fortunately, it did heal, but running normally, um, at least like sprinting in a soccer practice or something, wasn't um, comfortable for a long, long time. Um, and I think that's what eventually led to the next thing I had to deal with, which was in 10th grade, I, um, I slipped a disc in my back um, during a soccer conditioning session. And it was just like a weird landing off of a hurdle. And it was like, whoa, that did not feel good. Sharp pain. Then when I would move or lift my leg, it would radiate down my leg. So that was another um, six-ish weeks of no competition, no working out really. Um, like it hurt to cough or laugh. It was like miserable. So um, that is something I've had to deal with um, and be cognizant of like still now. Um, I have to be careful about deadlifting heavy because um, I'm, a, I'm a taller person too. So just the way like my body works, like deadlifting puts a lot of pressure on my back, especially if I'm not really, really paying attention to my form. Um, so I just have to be smart about how much I'm loading the bar and like the volume of the exercise that I'm doing when it comes to those um, like posterior chain heavy movements. Um, but with proper rehab, I saw a PT for that one and um, we were able to pretty much get it back in order. I just had to do the proper strength stuff, make sure my core was engaged a lot of the time. Um, so that's just something that gave me knowledge for the future now and um, gives me a better idea of what my body can handle and what's safe for me. Um, and then transitioning into like in endurance sports was a whole different story because I didn't really know what like overuse injuries were or um, those chronic more like little nagging things that happen to uh, like runners per se or cyclists or um, swimmers. Um, so I started running more and upping my volume and eventually um my left posterior tibial tendon um really started aggravate, aggravating me um especially on like longer efforts or things like that and i didn't really know what that stemmed from but thinking back um the left foot is my planting foot for soccer and when i would plant to kick or punt the ball um your arch naturally caves in a little bit um so i'm thinking that the years and years of playing soccer and doing that definitely um contributed to my left arch now falling in just naturally so that puts a lot of strain on the posterior tibial tendon and that i think aggravated it a lot so um i definitely had to do a lot of um rehab work with that and strengthening work of the calf and um achilles and arch area um and i saw a chiropractor and we definitely, like I still see him now, we worked on my hip alignment and things like that because um, my hips were out of place so that like my uh, left leg was, um, I think it was that my left leg was longer and hitting the ground first and then like 
kind of caving in as my right leg kind of came along to try and catch up. <laughs> so, um, so there were a lot of things we had to work on there and things that I still do. Um, but that was another like, oh, wow, like this thing is nagging me for a while. Like, what is this? It's not like something where you have to rest for like forever, like, you know, a, just a, um, a straight bone break or something, but it's something that you want to fix if you want to perform better. So that was another thing. And then the hamstring thing came back to bite me, um, like last year. Um, I wasn't quite sure what happened, but it was after like a longer run and it just felt like, like a strain, kind of like, just like a pull. Um, and I've had to do a lot of work on my form because, um, I think, especially when I get fatigued, there's a lot of, um, over, overstriding kind of going on. Um, not to the point where I'm like heel striking dramatically, but even when you tow the ground far out in front of you and try to pull back, that puts a lot of undue strain on the hamstring. Um, and so I had to go back to a lot of the like back and posterior chain exercises I did when I was in high school to work on the like tilt of my pelvis and, um, the strengthening of the muscles I need to like engage, uh, the proper or work on the proper movement for running. Um, so I feel like it's a t always a work in progress. Like there's always something to be improved upon. Um, so athletes who are like struggling with things like that. Um, I know for me, it was like very eye opening to know that like most endurance athletes are dealing with something or do deal with something at some point. So it's not like you're broken or something's completely wrong with you. Um, but it's being smart about it and trying to find the the, um, best ways to, um, improve what's bothering you and strengthen, obviously something's going on if something's hurting. So strengthen those areas that may be contributing to that. Absolutely. And I think something else important to point out is like the injuries we have years ago can come back to resurface again and, and reappear, yep. especially as you're finding when you don't take care of them mm -hmm. at the time and just kind of let things quote unquote heal that the body, it heals itself, but it doesn't necessarily heal itself properly. So then over time, these things do come back, um, which is why it's so important to take care of things on the front end rather than totally. just, you know, doing the wait and see thing. Yeah. And I think something that's also been important for me is, um, as I, uh, began working with my coach now, um, Dennis Welch from the endurance project, um, he is definitely big on, um, injury prevention and minimizing, um, impact when possible. So obviously a lot, a lot of runners are, um, hitting the ground quite often. There's a lot of repetitive motion that occurs. So, um, sometimes on those easy days, instead of pounding yourself and your body more into the ground, um, he's a big proponent of tire pulling, which was something that was totally foreign to me. But, um, it's literally where you strap, you wear like a, a harness, kind of a vest thing. And, um, you set the tire up so that you can hook it up to this harness with this rope, probably about 10 feet in length, um, uh, going out from behind you. And you literally walk as if almost like you're power hiking. Um, and you're dragging that tire forward as you focus on driving those knees and planting under your center of mass as, as, um, as best as possible. And it's something where your heart rate will be in the right target zone. So for an easy day, it's great because I can keep my heart rate relatively low, but still get that benefit without the pounding of running. Um, and it's been great for form improvement, um, for like learning how to like plant properly in your stride and, um, getting that aerobic benefit without all those pounding miles. And it's a great addition to my training that I do 
a ton, warm-ups, cool-downs, everything. I was very skeptical at first and was like, this will not work. Like, what is this when I first tried it? But now I'm kind of like in love with it. It's a nice, like very low impact, but you feel like you're doing something. And I think of it as just like flat power hiking, pretty much. It's literally like power hiking, but you can do it on flat ground. Yeah. And uh, I was just talking with someone, I don't remember who it even was. I was talking with someone yesterday about pulling tires for hill training when you don't have any hills around for people who live in flat flat places. If you can get a big tire and find like, even if it's just down your street, you may look weird to your neighbors, but um, it's great for doing hill training when you're, when you don't have access to a hilly, totally hilly place. Totally. And you can run with it too, which we don't do too often because that can put a lot of strain on um, tendons, muscles, whatever. But if you do it sparingly, um, that's like huge resistance training right there. It's, it's strength running, um, which totally translates to um, those hills, like you said, for sure. Absolutely. And I'm curious, just because I absolutely love running technique work, what else are you doing to work on your running form? Well, um, another thing that, um, my coach has been trying to get me to do more that I've been pretty bad about, but I'm, I'm, uh, more recently trying to, after we reviewed like a video of my form, like a few weeks ago, we were like, okay, we need to work on this more, um, is jump rope running. Um, which is actually interesting because, um, I think for me, one of the things where I'm lacking is that, um, hip extension and then the, um, that kind of butt kick motion that should be happening in your stride. Um, my hamstrings are like not engaged in the proper way. Um, so the jump rope running kind of forces you to lift your leg a little more, which then you get that more of that swing back and then you get that propulsion forward again. It's like a, it's a constant cycle. Um, so that's something I'm trying to incorporate a little more, which it's tough. It's like very complicated, but, um, (laughs) his whole, um, philosophy is, you don't want to have to be consciously thinking about it while you're running. You want to do the things that get it to be natural while you're running. So if you're thinking about it and doing it well while you're jump rope running, then that movement kind of naturally translates to the running as opposed to you going out for a run thinking, okay, got to kick my butt, you know, that kind of thing. Um, because that's not going to be like sustainable or efficient really. Um, so there's that. And then, um, I do a lot of, um, like foot strength work, like balance work just to like focus on, um, proper landing. Um, one of my favorite exercises actually to do, and I do this with the soccer team that I coach as well, um, are like lateral skater jumps where you're on one leg and you, um, you jump to one side and you focus on landing solidly on, on the mid forefoot and then holding it there. Um, as a, opposed to just like hopping right off that rebound. You want to hold there, stabilize and get that opposite arm, um, with the leg that's planted and work on that, that form and that balance. And I think that's a really good, like, um, just a different dimension of movement that a lot of runners would benefit from adding into their training, stuff like that, like agility ladder. Um, a lot of the stuff I think is important for, um, running form for sure. And I think that's a great thing to point out for a lot of aspects, aspects, is so much that we do is in just that single front plane. We tend to neglect the diagonals. We tend to neglect the rotations, the lateral things. And it's such an important element to train because we live in this dynamic world that we need to be able to adapt and move and shift. And, and it's just, and that is what contributes to a lot of injuries. Cause if you can't compensate for that, uneven surface that's going to roll your ankle and you don't know how to move laterally or 
you know, you can't dodge quickly if something's in your way to like rotate fast. Like that's what contributes to a lot of injuries essentially. Absolutely. And one thing that um, is also great for injury prevention, but also kind of engaging those muscles prior to a run. Um, I'm a major fan of a dynamic warm up before everything. So um, I've never really been one to just like run out the door. Um, just through soccer and basketball, you always did like a team warm up before practice or practices or games. And it usually consisted of um, dynamic stretches and movements that um, are going to get those muscles ready to go. So um, leg swings, um, t- like toe touches, like where you're swinging your leg up um, and high knees, butt kicks, all that stuff, getting those muscles kind of more activated and like loose, um, ready to do what you're going to have them do during your run, um, I think is important. And definitely like you see runners do drills all the time for form um, o- over hurdles or just like those A skips, B skips. I think those are good things to just incorporate when you can. Um, I try to do a lot of that stuff on a daily basis before my workouts um, just to stay limber and keep those muscles involved and like um, get them ready for what's coming. Absolutely. And one thing I, I incorporate for myself and I, I have a lot of clients do as well, just because so many people are, you know, especially if you're training in the morning, it's literally like, you have this small amount window because then you have to go get ready for work. Yep. And so it's like my first half mile is normally running drills. It's like, I'll do a drill, yeah. I'll, jog, I'll do a drill, I'll jog. And so I'm not, you know, yes, that first mile is going to be like a 12 minute mile pace because right. of how you're doing that, which is totally fine. But you're getting those warm up drills in before you actually hit your pace. Yeah. And honestly, during a lot of those drills, like your heart rate will probably stay like pretty high. So you're still getting that aerobic benefit and you're also getting that mobility and muscle engagement benefit that you wouldn't had you just run right out the door. Um, so probably in the long run, it's going to be more effective for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the car is driving by, probably think you're crazy, but who cares? Yeah. Yeah. No, (laughs) you do you You got to do what's best for you. (laughs) Exactly. Well, Callie, I don't want to take up a ton of your time. I know you have some things to do this afternoon, um, but just anything coaching wise or injury prevention wise that we haven't talked about that you feel is super important to bring up. Um, I'm trying to think coaching wise. I think it's important to find a coach you mesh with obviously and find someone who is enthusiastic about um, helping you be better and to, to teach you, not just give you workouts. Um, that's one reason I started working with the coach I do now, Dennis, um, before he even started working with me, uh, we just connected through social media somehow. And I was like this newbie runner who didn't really know much. And, um, he just happened to answer some of my questions and I could tell he just really wanted to teach me we had no like attachment. He wasn't my coach. I wasn't paying him anything. And he took the time to explain a lot of the things that I had no clue about and just wanted to learn more about. I'm super passionate about running and, Um, he saw that and he's very passionate about running and he wanted to help me. So, um, it, it formed a like great coach athlete connection that I think is really important. You shouldn't just have someone who is giving you workouts. And then if you start asking questions, they get frustrated. Like, why are you doubting me or things like that? Like, that's not a good relationship to have. You don't want that. You you don't want to constantly be thinking that your coach thinks you're annoying or something like that because you have those questions. Um, And I'm someone who asks a lot of questions, so (laughs) I need a coach like that. So thank you, Dennis. But um, and then in terms of the injury prevention, um, one other thing that I think would be important to note is just staying on top of nutrition. So um, making sure to get adequate nutrition at the least. So with endurance athletes, especially, um, 
that you, I'm sure you're aware of like red S and, um, relative energy, uh, relative energy deficiency in sport and not getting enough calories. Um, that can be a huge determinant of injury. So, um, just making sure, um, your nutrition's up to par with, um, fueling properly. And, um, usually if you feel good and you feel energized, that's a pretty good sign that you're on the right track. But if you're feeling run down and you're getting a lot of injuries, maybe take a look at your nutrition and how you're fueling when you're fueling, um, not just overall your daily caloric intake for the day, but when you're taking in those calories, that's something I've definitely had to put a lot of time into learning for sure. Thank you so much for mentioning that because that is such a huge element mm. of injuries that is often overlooked by people. So I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. Good. Yeah, of course. Well, Callie, if someone wants to reach out to you, follow you, where can they find you? Uh, so I am probably most active on my Instagram, which is at C Schweik, C-S-C-H-W-E-I-K. Um, and I post about um, obstacle course racing, um, just thoughts in general, lots of cute pictures of my dog. <laughs> um, so I'd love for you guys to follow me there. Um, definitely message me there. I try to answer everyone. Um, and then Facebook is just my name, Callie Schweikart. You can message me there too. Um, and then I think my email's linked to my Instagram as well. So, um, yeah, if you're, if you have any coaching inquiries or just training, you're looking for ideas, um, questions about racing, whatever, um, I'd be happy to hear from you guys. I'd love if you gave me a follow. Awesome. Well, thank you, Callie, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. This is so fun. And that concludes this week's episode of Highly Functional. If you enjoyed it and found the information helpful, I invite you to head over to Facebook and join my group, Obstacle Course Racing Athlete Health and Performance, where you can both join your OCR tribe as well as find very helpful, useful information on how to become a more dominant racer, a more resilient racer, and truly race at your peak performance. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional. <laughs>